All right, we are live at Living Color. I am Uptown Bobby, also known as Rob Brown, also known as Woo, we made it. Well, <laughs> almost. We almost at the end of uh well, we are at the end of 2022, at the beginning of 2023. Uh by the time y'all hear this, it might be 2023. So welcome to 2023. Uh welcome to another episode of the side eye. Yeah, I am a K Clock. Uh, I don't know. I'm <laughs> uh, just tired. <laughs> you, you here? You here? He here, y'all. <laughs> we here, and we just happy to be here. Honestly, we happy y'all here too, because it's been a long year. Uh, but we here. We made it. And also, this has been December to remember, uh, especially in terms of music, because finally. I think we touched on this the last episode. We touched on a recent episode of this. SOS. Scissors album. Her, I guess second album technically, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah, second proper like, album, yeah. Right. Second proper album on a major label on uh, with TDE. It's finally out. It came out earlier this month. Uh, it had good... Well, I, I would say it was a decent build-up. It's been building up for a while, but we never... We were waiting on them to pull the trigger. You know, there's been singles here and there. Uh, the biggest single was obviously the one with Doja Cat. Uh, what was it? Touch it? Kiss It More? Uh, kiss, kiss Me More, yeah. Kiss Me More, yeah. That was mm-hmm. big. That was huge. Uh, broken Spotify record. Gave Sister some nice shine. You know, it was good to see her back on top. And then she had her other single, her, pers- her own singles drop. And it felt like we were, it was Caesar, Caesar. Scissor season, but we just didn't know when it was coming. And then, like, you know, it just popped up. Like, hey, album coming December. And then the SNL episode was a really good build up to it. So, SOS dropped. And with SOS dropping, what were your initial thoughts while listening and after listening? Uh, initial thoughts, I guess. Uh... And the, I guess it's a, a progression of um, control because control was like you know it, it got tagged as an R and B album, but it's like you know there's a different R and B there, but it's also like you know indie influences and electronic influences and um, rap influences. It all kind of melts mixes together into this uh, particular sound, and I think SOS kind of continues that sound um, with stuff like. Uh, Low, we got low, we got that you know, trap 808 sort of sound. Uh, same thing with like smoking on the X pack, it's more like uh, that almost like a kind of almost like a chipmunk soul throwback in a way with that sort of track. Then you got like the the ballads, I guess, like Gone Girl is like a almost like a classic mm-hmm. pop ballad, blind, that sort of confessional scissor, you know, stream of conscious sort of language going on. Uh, then F two F is uh with a thing Lizzo co wrote on that which is like you know throw back to like pop, mm-hmm, yeah little Fifi Dobson Errol Avril Lavigne yeah definitely uh so it was like, and then uh, and some of the other ones like uh the singles Hate You Good Days you know more on R and B shirt R and B you know uh, yeah so it's it, the Kill Bill one is just, you know one of the standout ones uh to me um. So it's a real. It's, to me, it's like a, it's a progression of uh, control, both in terms of the music and also the lyrics and the similar themes. You know, 
giving us, you know, sort of being, getting, being caught up with and shit dudes and without, and then also struggling with her own sense of like self worth in the process. It's kind of a similar theme to the first album. But again, like I said, I think it's the kind of sharpened. Uh, so, um, I mean, it's definitely a longer album. But then again, you know, we, everybody was screaming, "Where that? Where is that? Where is that?" So she's like, "Probably she will have twenty songs for y'all and be happy." Uh, so, <laughs> so, there's, so there's that too. Um, it's long, but it was long. It, it was long, but it doesn't feel long. But I think part of the reason is because it, it, so, most of the songs are uh, at most three minutes. I think it was only like one four minute song. I think that it was, it was open arms with uh, Travis Scott. I think the rest of them, like I said, are about three, and Gone Girl was four and four minutes and five seconds. The rest of them were like between like two and a half to three minutes, maybe three and a half minutes. So it's it's not it doesn't it doesn't feel long because the songs aren't that long. So, um, but yeah, uh, listen to it. I, I like it. Um, I think like you see. I think the run up to it was kind of a, sort of a roundabout because you had. Hit different, which is now an album. You had hit different, and you had good days in 2020, stretched space far apart. And then you had um, hate you. I think the beginning of uh, either end of last year, or beginning of this year, and then there was like a long lull as far as her own singles until shirt, you know. And then in between that, like you said, you you've had kiss me more. Uh, you had uh, the Black Panther track on in 2018 like it's been stuff here that she's put that she's been a part of as she put out but it hasn't been like a proper uh album until now so right ah man that link <laughs> you said <laughs> i felt all them minutes i ain't gonna hold you Ooh, <laughs> it was it was long it was a journey for me brother uh, I finished it, but man, I'm I, I don't really want to hear 23 songs from a lot of people, but <laughs> I want to I want to spend 23 songs from Scissor, yeah. But you know, it wasn't a bad you know 23 songs being locked in that long. I enjoyed a lot of it. Uh, I enjoyed the intro. I thought that was fun. Uh, you know, Scissor like she does well. She just pretty much like sings her diary, uh, <laughs> which is you know. <laughs> Honest and cool. Uh, I was just glad. I was really glad she uh, talked about the the surgeries because, uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I see people arguing in her comments about some well, butt fake is not fake. So I'm glad she touched on that because I mean, mm. you know, obviously. But uh, you know, I just like I like the vulnerability of it. You know, that's a calling card. Uh, I like smoking on my ex tag because that was fun. You know, having seen her play, be playful. Because sometimes it can be very serious, <laughs> like mm. some of the subject matter. So it's like, damn, it's kind of dark. Uh, yeah. This one, this one feels way darker than Control. Um, Control had moments where it was dark, but also had moments where it was kind of like, you know, like upbeat. You know, like, like kind of like like a Gogeta. Yeah, 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 Gogeta. Mm. Even like a uh, even like a love with Lord. That wasn't like sad, mm. but uh. This this one, you know, it, it fits the album. The album cover is very fitting. Like it, it, it feels. And she says she uh, based this on a, a picture of Princess Diana that was taken like in '97, maybe like not that long before you know she she died, and that it, she wanted to kind of mimic that feeling of isolation. I think was the, was the was the uh, thing she was going for. Yeah, you you feel that you feel mm-hmm. that. Uh, the features were cool. I didn't hate uh I like the Don Tolliver one, even though I thought that was weird. Like here's my thing sometimes with artists, and this is why I tell people that we really shouldn't 
get all up in arms about canceling people because I, I like a lot of these niggas are friends and they don't care about what we get. What did he do? Yeah, rape allegations. Oh, okay. and then it was like, yeah, it was like, you know, people was like, you know, he did it, but I mean, you know, all these niggas don't care about that. So <laughs> I didn't know that at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was like a, a big because like I think last year he dropped his first official album, and it mm. was kind of like then the allegations came out because he's also in a relationship with uh, I always ruin her name, Callie Uchis. Oh, he is. Hmm. Oh. Which is funny because he looks like a Muppet. But <laughs> yeah, he they're in a relationship and now he, he's doing scissor features. So I guess he, you know, I don't know. But he's, convic- you know, he's convicted or he was. No, nah, no, nah, it's not convicted. It's, you know, it's like more like someone came out and had, you know, said some stuff, had some allegations. And mm. it was more so like the court of opinion, but okay. nothing, nothing legal. Mm. Uh, but, you know, that's enough nowadays to get you like kind of like. Touch with a ten foot pole, but depending on who you are, we'll touch on that later when we we get to the uh, the midget in the. <laughs> but, <laughs> I, oh well, I, I do know someone referring to that person that some people have said like does not uh, on not, the people didn't say height shame, but like don't uh, the same way we wouldn't want people to come for Megan's physical appearance in terms of like you know her being built the way she is, people shouldn't come for his. Just, you know, put, just putting it out there, just saying. Yeah. That's a grown-ass man who shoot, it, who shoot people, who shoots women. I'm not, no, I'm not biting myself, you know. Fucking, like, he's short. I don't know why she slept with him for with. Like, I don't get it. I don't even get the appeal. Like, but I guess, so, hey, you know, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, back to the Sisters album. You know, I, I like Blind. Um... The, the Travis Scott one, I really didn't, I really didn't care for. I didn't mm. care for him to have Travis Scott and Don Oliver on your album. It's kind of like the same thing, like, mm. like kind of like the Wish version. Like Don Oliver was kind of like the Wish version of, of Travis Scott. So it's kind of like, <laughs> uh, do I really need this again? <laughs> um, but it was cool though. I I, I like this. I, I like Snooze is one I liked a lot, and and Snooze and Far or two I played. Uh... A few times back to back. Yeah. Uh what's another one? Uh F F is it F and F? F two F? F two F, yeah. F two F is real cute. I don't it's not one I want to listen to a lot. Like after the initial, you know, feel and like vibes it gave mm. like 2002, 2001, I was kind of like, okay, I'm cool. <laughs> I'm cool with this. <laughs> um I, I, I want to see a video for it if she does one. Uh, well, does she have a video for that? Not yet. I mean, she may. Okay. The only other one she put out recently was Nobody Gets Me, which is, you know, it's fine, yeah. but it's not my favorite think, on that. Uh, I think Kill Bill is about to drop. I think she did a teaser for that today. Yeah, uh, I did think. Uh, I thought. I thought about when I listened to. It. I like. I love the song, of course, and I, you know, because Kill Bill. Speaking of early, early arts, uh, nostalgia. Um, you know, it's a great song, great melody. But I did think, like, hmm, if this were like a man saying this, you know, even if it was like tongue in cheek, like, would it be, would it, would it be taken the same way? Because I haven't heard any like blowback about like, you know, uh, you know, she's basically saying she killed his, killed her ex and then killed his girlfriend too. Like, whereas if it were a man saying this, would that, would that, would that just, would people just look over that or, or just say this is a great art? 
you know, like, not that, like, well, I guess it depends on who, that, who the man was in question. If it, yeah, it, was like, it, it depends if, on that. Yeah, if, if, it, if it was like Miguel singing it, if he would be like, oh, okay. But if it was like Chris Brown, yeah. like, mm, I don't know about that, you know. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, it depends on the artist. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, let's just be honest, women can get away with more yeah, stuff like yeah. that. Than, yeah. Yeah, um, that's just how it is. I, it's no shade, you know. It, it is, pl- it just plays to the femme fatale thing. It's the power dynamics different than than a man singing that, you know, because right, tragically, that happens in real life more often, you know. Right, that, and that. it's still still pretty toxic, but hey, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's it's just entertainment kind of. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, but, yeah, it's uh, a great song though. <laughs> it's interesting though how this era of TDE is being closed with the Kendrick release. Then Silver and then Herbert, uh, Al Soul album, but they're like, there's no unison. Like, remember TDE drops used to feel like a family affair. It was like it felt planned. Mm-hmm. You know, it felt like okay, you dropping, then you yeah. drop, and you drop, and it was like a collective effort. Wu Tang esque, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like I think around the time the Butterfly came out, it was different. And I listened to an interview with Punch, and he talked about it, uh, how. I thought it was very tongue-in-cheek. He said, like, after the first wave of albums, things kind of changed, and people started getting their own teams and started doing their own thing. And I felt like when he said people, he meant Kendrick. Because, <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, what, that's what it felt like. And it kind of, like, that whole family feel, that whole, like, uh, label sound kind of drifted away. Mm-hmm. And then it just became Kendrick and them instead of like you know TD Black Hippie, but I mean it was natural and it, it, it's I, inevitable, you know. Right. I mean, the person that you meet when y'all are all sort of like on the ground floor, so to speak, you know, and then one of you takes off, and yes, it may not even be like any sort of like jealousy or resentment, but it's like when you get to that level that he's at, you have to sort of move and to quote unquote, you have to quote unquote move differently, you know, whatever. And you know, it's just things change, you know. And of course, people have children, people, you know, this people get older. It's like it's all you know, it's I think all that probably plays into it too, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was rumors about like work ethic too, like him constantly being like kind of like him embracing the role of being like next up and the next big guy. And also, like, him just wanted to, like, really be putting out, like, his vision of his, what he would define as, like, his his art versus, like, I guess niggas just hanging out in the studio, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. I, well, I, I do know this from reading it with SZA for her stuff is that um, there definitely seems to be, like, a lot of back and forth between, like, her and Punch about what's going on the album, what's not going on the album, you know, the sequencing, the whole thing. And so, and she, she seems like she's kind of like, she kind of fights against it a bit, but then ultimately she goes along with it. Uh, Cause she said like, I'm not good. She said, I'm not good at the, um, and she, this interview she did with Rolling Stone. She said, I'm not good with the uh, track listing and things like that. I'm just good with making the music and, you know, then we sort of figure out, okay, this could be a single, this could be this, you know, this could be the order of the album. Uh, I think, um, Kendrick maybe be he may be more resistant to may have been more res, more resistant to that and not been willing to like you know do that beyond maybe the first album or or, or whatever you know maybe by the time you got to to uh to, 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 to a butterfly because that record is so 
locked into his concept that you know he may not want to hear like nah this is not a single or nah you need to put this this needs, this needs to be put here instead as far as the album or track list in order and so maybe he felt um uh he was chafing under that in a way that maybe she doesn't yeah and then he just lapped them niggas up like he just <laughs> well, yeah like, in terms of yeah ram- name recognition yeah it's just like going back to the Wu-Tang example it's like you got yeah everybody in the group can rap and everybody and everybody is talented, but like everybody can have the the both the charisma and let's be blunt the physical appearance of a method man. You know, mm-hmm. like yeah, nobody, the focus on yeah, the yeah, yeah, just the just the breakout aspect of it. Like somebody, you know, uh, that happens. It happens in in most collectives. Like you think like the. Uh, Native tongues, quote unquote, like the late eighties or nineties. You know, that was like Latifa and I think uh, De La Soul and, and um, yeah, all that. Yeah, and then so, well, out of that one, everybody much pretty much did well. But like Latifa, as far as like as far as like recognition and like name level, whatever she, she she did came out the furthest ahead. You know, same with the the soul queries. You think you know maybe like. Eric Badu and Common and all those people was like, you know, certain people just end up becoming, you know, the household names. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're 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 uh, more valuable inherently as people or that you know music of that. But you know, they 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 quote unquote make it in a way that we've all been all been led to believe make what is what making it means. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all the niggas make it in a in a regard to where yeah. you know they're able to make money off the music, you know, because that's the goal, mm-hmm. be able to make a living while you, you're doing something you love. But like you said, somebody got to be the face, you know, somebody got to be the one that's like, you know, that, that kind of like moves away. And mm-hmm. that was Kendrick with TDE, but I, like the TDE era is going to make like a really good documentary if everybody wants to like participate because it was like just interesting to see how all these people got together these rappers, you know, J-Rock being like the, kind of like the uncle, he was kind of like the juvenile. It felt like, you know, he one that kind of had the most experience already. And then you had like the Kendrick, who kind of like looked like the prodigy. You had Schoolboy, who was kind of like the gangster. Al Soul was like the weirdo. And it kind of worked. But then it's just like, after the first, that wave of albums, it just, <laughs> Kendrick mm-hmm. was just like, it just was a separation, you know? I remember mm-hmm. when they first came out, there was a lot of people that was like on the blogs and like chat rooms and forums. They thought Schoolboy was gonna be the star because he had just like this this charisma. He had the you know the, the the street credibility, like the gangster stuff. And they thought Kendrick was just like gonna be like an indie rapper. Mm. And man, boy, were they wrong? I mean, oh two, right? <laughs> the New York Times article said, uh, you know. Beyonce's good, but she's no Ashanti. So I mean, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know you just you don't know. And then and people and people and like people people drag that article and that author for that now, but in O2, I mean, I think I can't remember where they were they were they were they would have been on the money to think that because you know her first single did not do that well. Solo solo single, so right. compared to what Ashanti was doing at the time. But you know, you never know about how things are gonna pan out because I mean it's it's so <laughs> It's it's so many factors that go into and working to creating like a quote unquote icon or whatever. You know, it's, it's obviously it's, it's the talent and it's the music, but it's also how people react to it. 
It's also the time period that's released. You know, had the Pimp Butterfly been released in 05, 9, 2015, it probably wouldn't, it would have, it's two, two very different eras and two very different head spaces where in terms of where like, you know, music is and where the country is and where the culture is, you know, so all it's like tangibles and intangibles that, that go into like making someone into that figure, you know. It had it been 05, it might have been or 01, maybe been schoolboy Q because like he fit that. Think about that era, he fits, he fits that too. Kind of, I don't know. I don't think I, was, I don't think nobody would listen to that nigga outside of LA, but that's just well, me. what I mean is that he, as far as like his music and the, the beats of the beats, the music sounds and the beats sounds very dark. He has a, he has a kind of like a um. A zane, not, not zany, but like a kind of off kilter sort of energy, sort of like a darker um, ODB, mm-hmm. you know. And as far as the way he dressed and everything, like he fit that mold of like that era of like you know, let's say mid to like late nineties, early two thousands, more mm-hmm. so than Kendrick. Kendrick would have, probably would have like been somebody who felt like who would have been like in the most deaf um, black star to live quietly. You know, common that he would have been with the, he would have fit more into that mold and that bunch at that time had they been that age in that era. Mm-hmm. You know, and he possibly may not he possibly may not have, have broken out the way he did coming out in twenty twelve in the midst of Drake and you know Cole and you know I guess that whole thing. Right. So, what do you think? Uh... What do you think is next to Scissor? Do you think she takes another long hiatus? Do you think she comes back again with another project? She like, mentioned doing some like she has some uh, unreleased songs that she may release to kind of like you know, I guess book in the uh, the album maybe. Um, no, she's going on tour because people complain mm-hmm. about the ticket prices. <laughs> uh, she's going on tour, so there's that. Um, Arena so too. Yeah, so we have, we have which is surprising because uh, she means she's. I don't, you know, I don't think arenas with with Sizzle because I'm not her music is very like, you know, we vibing. Like, <laughs> no, it's, it's it's not like you know, pogo in music. It's more like you know, yes, you know, incense. Yeah, it's it, it, it's still <laughs> more kind of like House of Blues. Yeah, like mm-hmm. American Airlines. Right. You know, it's like you know, it's like yes, you know, incense. Flowers, you know, had, long hair. Gonna be flipping, uh, like dancing on her shit. I don't know what the hell she's gonna be. Yeah, doing. I, mean, I, I mean, I can see her doing like set pieces and things like that because she does. She does. She does have like a a, a, a low key sort of theatrical side to her. But as far as an arena, I was that yeah, that is surprised. I would see like large theaters, yeah. But uh, you know, mm-hmm. let's see. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I, I just watched the DVD for for uh, Miss Morale in Paris or or the concert not dvd but the concert <laughs> <laughs> show, show my age <laughs> i just watched the concert for miss morale so and um you know he uh, let's see what hopefully they'll put out one for her too you know so let's see what it looks like mm, i don't know about it <laughs> maybe i don't know about but no, it. Wait, no i mean what i mean is that we'll see what her show looks like i'm not saying it'll be the same as oh Morale, yeah but yeah. yeah we'll see like on snap instagram yeah, yeah. somebody gonna post stuff. yeah but yeah nah, she she still got some time to evolve as a performer because when I saw clips of like that when the first wave of tools, I was like, ooh, wow. 
She she did yeah, well on Usher did that she did well on uh, SNL with Blind and then uh Chirp was a good performance too. Um, like I said, I, I just I don't I'm not sure how it'll translate to like a or an arena format, but um, you know. Yeah, it might work. I don't know. It may work. Yeah. I, like I said, I, I think large theaters more so than arena, but. Yeah, I don't know about no arena, but hey, I ain't going, so you know, good for her. You know, that's both butts in the seats. Mm-hmm. I, I like I like the fact though. Uh, I think Omar Apollo was opening for her, so that's a good opening act. Oh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, we'll see uh, what yeah. happens with. It. I, I wish us nothing but success. You know, I think she's needed, but I'd be forgetting since is that old. Like she was 34. Mm-hmm. I'm like, damn. <laughs> I mean, she does have very like a very youthful uh, energy. So uh, youthful energy, and then the, the, the music. Still, kind of sounds like you know. I'm trying to figure myself. I mean, not never, not saying that you don't go through that at mm. 33, 34, 35, you know, whatever. But yeah, it still has very young feeling, like uh, you know, you're in the twenties, kind of mm. like college, post college phase, mm. uh, figuring shit out. Now, but think about it, it. when I think about it, you know, Janet came out with Bill Rope. She was thirty one. Mm-hmm. Similar thing. Uh, nigga, uh, Beyonce Lemonade, 35, 34, 35. Um, like a prayer, Madonna, she just, she just turned 30. Erotica, she had turned 30, she was 30, 30, 34. Similar, like, messiness of like trying to figure shit out. So, I mean, you know, yeah, it's it's different. It's, 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 it's like damn, girl, you about forty still saying this shit. I right, it's like what the fuck, that you can't find one nigga you couldn't like. But uh, I, I, I I'm glad she all right. I'm glad she's good because she's one of the people you know, like a lot of people going to like very public is about like how she feels and her mood and you know one day she'll say she's retiring, the next day she mm-hmm. like you know what's up. So it's. It's good to see people, you know, being good headspace because everybody on that label go through it. That that's another thing. It's, it's like it's like it's just they. I think that label explains like modern adulthood and like being an artist and an adult better than I've seen any other rap label. Because like these niggas be very open and vulnerable. Like Abso doing his promo, he was talking about you like how he almost killed himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, which is interesting, you know, then Isaiah Rashad, to me, had one of the most groundbreaking, you know, interviews in hip-hop history, you know, uh, talking about his leak and how he, you know, how he's basically pansexual, you know, mm. how he, you know, he's been with men, you know, he has children, you know, he has a girlfriend, but, you know, he he likes people, you know, he's attracted mm. to people, you know, and that, that's groundbreaking in hip-hop, you know, uh, a rapper, you know, with grills from the South that rapped about what he rapped about. And then, you know, also, you know, he sleeps with men or has slept with men. Mm. So it's, I think CD is a very interesting label. I think it's one of the most interesting labels. I, I put it up there with like the Bad Boys and the Def Jams and all them because it's just, I don't know, it's a it's a certain humanity to them. It's no, it's no real shy. Like even Kendrick, even though Kendrick's a star in the face, he, you know, he he's been open and messy, you know, his whole career. You know, there's no real machine. It feels like, you know, even though they are, you know, still affiliated with major uh, record labels. Mm. Is I, I would say it's more uh, 
trying to like Wu Tang or like Rough Riders and then Bad Boy. because uh, that you mentioned like the lack of shine. That's what you know, because Bad Boy was Bad Boy was very shiny. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Rough Riders was a little more rugged, but even then it it still kind of felt like I ain't gonna say an act, but it felt like DMX and everybody tried to like match his appeal, you know, match mm. his ruggedness, you know. Mm. Like they, they they think the way they branded everybody like drag on, he was kind of like DMX light. Mm. Eve was kind of rough, you know. She's like the pit bull in the skirt. With mm. these, like everybody was like aggressive. Was like, oh, yeah. like, all right, <laughs> I could see these. It felt like more personalities. It just felt natural. Mm. Like you know, nobody was the same, but they were all just like chill. Just like mm. I don't know, like people you knew or interacted with in some aspect of your life. Mm. Versus just a brand. Yeah, I, I agree I'm, with that. I'm, I'm interested to see what what life after Kendrick is like because he is looking forward. Like this nigga do a New York Times interview. <laughs> this nigga did a world tour. You know, Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Just, he's like looks content to be done with TDE and moving on to new things. Mm-hmm. I don't know who's gonna keep the lights on now. Maybe Susan. I don't know. Isaiah. I don't know. So moving on from music, and it's still music related, but more movie related as well. You got to see the new Whitney Houston biopic. Yep. Uh, yeah, I saw Christmas Eve, of course, and Bob Pete. But it changed the name to Will You Someone. I want to answer somebody like we wouldn't know what it was. I don't know. But yeah, it opened last Friday. I saw it last Saturday. Um, of course, Bob Pick is about, you know, Whitney's life from basically from when she was a teenager, uh, trying to get signed or, or, or you know, working her way uh, up in no sense of like seeing back and forth her mother and things like that to, you know, up until the weekend that she passed. Uh, in Hollywood, in yeah, in in LA, um, so cut long period to cover, and you know about two and a half hours, um, and so I mean everybody know most people know Whitney's story, the basics of it, you know, church girl, choir oh. girl, grows up, gets I guets signed by Clive Davis, um, kind of superstar, of course, has many struggles, then you know, eventually, you know, unfortunately, she passed away when she was forty eight, um. So I guess the main thing, of course, initially was that the actress that plays Whitney, Naomi Aki, um, just because some blowback from, from like a lot of Whitney fans, so was, you know, I feel like Whitney fans are some of them kind of weird, uh, saying that she like she didn't like Whitney, that she, they wanted Paula Patton to play Whitney, <laughs> they wanted Joy Bryan to play Whitney. And I'm like, these women are almost 50 years old. You know, they both very pretty, very talented, but they ain't gonna pass the 20 or 25. Oh, and Paula, Patton, Paula Patton don't even look like her. That they don't, but colorism you know <laughs> uh so you know um so it was that that she didn't look like Whitney and then of course everybody would point out where well, you know uh Angela Bassett didn't like Tina Turner and she killed it as her so like you know this yeah. you know, this this everybody chill this that's why I remember, I remember saying that I remember saying I remember saying on the group like everybody chill out like it's never it's not gonna be Whitney it's never gonna be Whitney it's not gonna exactly be like her just this let that go you know, uh, but so there was that uh and I would say she anchors the movie because she really embodies Whitney as far as like the, her, the voice, her mannerisms, her movement on stage and off stage, you know, if you're like a hardcore, that's another thing too, I would say for this, I think for the average person that sort of like followed Whitney and sort of knows the outlines of the story, they may feel like it, it they may feel like that, that um, things are being, um, 
uh, left out or they may, they, may, they may miss certain things. Like, you know, they combine certain uh, interviews in certain quote-unquote eras and mix them together. Like at one point, they so it's, I guess they were trying to emphasize like the, the strangeness of uh, Whitney being the baby of the family, but like, but uh, but employing her whole family. And they did a they sort of cut to this interview she was doing with a woman and the woman was asking her, like, do you have to be the boss? And she said, like, you know, uh, sometimes it's like always. She's like, no, sometimes. I mean, sometimes. But that, that, that is an actual quote. <laughs> but it's from an interview like that was like in, around like 1991. But they put it like put it in like in like, like 80, 87. So they did things like that. And, you know, and, and I say like that's when I was I was in before as far as like, Naomi's performance when she, when she went like sometimes. It was like that was like. Whitney, <laughs> that that wasn't that wasn't talking. That was Whitney talking, you know, um, and and then they mixed and, and they would they uh, jumped ahead in certain certain spots that didn't quite match because they did the Soul Train Awards when she got booed, uh, you know, and she met Bobby, which actually which actually were two different awards. So she met Bobby eighty nine, but she got booed in eighty eight and eighty nine actually, but they, they combined that together. Um, and then they meet and then they start going out and then they they jumped to like the uh, the 93, I think, Billboard Awards, because they had on the boat, they had on, like a matching red outfits and stuff. Uh, but, and, but they were supposed to still be like in 1990. So they did things like that. And then at one point, she went on tour um, in the late 90s, the, the last tour, the last sort of like successful tour she did before things really went off the rails. Um, and they had her in like in like the 91, I mean, Baby This Night hair and makeup, some hair and uh, outfits. So that, it was things like that that stood out to me just as, as someone watching it that was like, that threw me off. But overall, like I said, Naomi, she did a great job embodying Whitney and, and Whitney, uh, uh, the, the parents. Uh, I think Tooney, uh, Clark, I believe it's her name, that played uh, Sissy, I think she did a great job. Uh, a guy who played her dad did a great job. I remember uh, there was one scene because you know John Houston always, always uh, more the older I got, the more I kind of looked into the family and, learn, and sort of learned about the whole dynamic. He seemed uh, very slick, <laughs> you know. It's I like, heard they had him go. Um, I heard they had him go full super villain. I mean, he, if, it, if that was a, a villain, a Joe, Joe Jackson esque villain of the of the movie, it was him. You know, mm-hmm. like I, he walked. You know, he he was slick. He, I mean, it was based on things that happened. Like as far as like him mismanaging right. um, her money and things like that. And the reason why she had to go on, at least, at least, at least what the movie implies, re- the reason why she went on tour in '99 in for uh, "My Love Was Your Love" is because she had to because she was because he had spent the, most of the money on just limos and credit cards to everybody and just you know shit. You know, and just, mm-hmm. so she and so and you know, so she, she had to go back on tour uh to to make the money back basically um and so this thing like that and i remember what the first scene like her and robin walk in we're gonna get to robin in a minute i uh, walked in and then uh he he was like some he, they, they're walking in it's like some random woman, woman was coming out and she was like calling her nippy which like she, when she, when she you know, know her like that i was like <laughs> if nothing else niggas gonna need <laughs> that was, you know uh that's how that's how the impression I got from the portrayal of John, and just one of the things that I read is like I don't think it was that far. He was very, I guess you could say in the way he was very forward thinking that he thought of like with Houston as a brand, but when but when that's your also your daughter, that gets very complicated too. So you know that I think the film was sort of really hidden at that point, like this the strangest strangest of like um, supporting your family, having your family work for you. And how that and and the weirdness of that, of that dynamic, how and how that can just get so twisted, you know? Because on the one hand, he's he, you know, yeah, she she was a brand or she was you know a persona as far as her public persona, but it, you know, it 
it, that's, it can turn, that can turn very quickly from, you know, you looking out for the business and only, and then only treating your child as a business. And I think that they imply that's one of the things that, that really uh, damage your, your relationship along with the fact that none of them, none of them approved of Robin. No, no. Right, no, no. Yes, sister didn't like it. The brothers didn't like it. The Bobby. dad, dad, the, the dad, the dad told him like, "Y'all gotta go, go out and date women." I mean, date date men, you know. So because people are talking about y'all on the streets or whatever, and then Robin was like, "I'm not gonna do that." You know, uh, you know Whitney did that, and she that's why she went out with uh, Jermaine Jackson, and you know, uh, for a minute. But um, I think what the movie basically, what like you know, what, if you read I mean, anything you read, anything you read about Whitney or any of the, any of the other documentaries. Um, and what the movie does uh, sort of hint at, basically with the movie, they try to like emphasize the the positive as much as possible, basically. They try to f- keep it focused on right. the voice, the mu- the music, the the, ha- the the role she played in her music, because, you know, the popular uh, uh, perception for a long time has been that Clive Davis basically like swooped in, you know, shows mm-hmm. all the songs, shows every outfit, every wig, you know, sing this, do this, be this, do that, and then you know, she was like a puppet in a way, and, and they, the movie really fights to correct that um, by showing that you know um, she had a key man clause in the in the contract with, with Clyde Davis, basically saying that he will he will give her attention, special attention, and when when it comes to select song selection, marketing, promotion, everything else, and the fact that if he ever left uh, Era, so she can go with him, regardless of whatever was whatever else was going on. That's actually the only only artist he ever did that with. He didn't do it with you know Aretha or with Jan Joplin or with anybody else, only with Whitney. Um, and so it shows that it also shows that you know she she they were going. It showed like them going over like tons of demos. Listen this listen that one that don't work that don't work that don't work. You know so she had a role in like the music itself. It also showed the um how she requested the, the national anthem be slowed down or the tempo be changed so they could you know. Um, so she, she she could do the version that she did at the Super Bowl in '91. Um, also showing like because the, the the climax of the film um, is the performance she did at the AMAs in '94 with these. Like, they call it, I think they call it the impossible the impossible melody because she does she does a a song from Porgy and Bess and she does uh, I am telling you from Dreamgirls and then she does her, uh, I have nothing which you know singer no singer that's some hard shit. <laughs> It's ten minutes back to back to back, all ballads. She she doesn't pause to even take a sip of water. So that's you know, and if, so it show it shows the the role she played in like becoming the the voice. Like she had say, she had a point of view of what she, of what she should be doing. And then, but then, but then also these breadcrumbs of like you know, the decline that that's gonna be happen over time. And like like at one point well, when it, it's, it's more hmm? so all over the place, like. Is it telling like the story early in career and then it kind of stops, or does it like just pick places? It it it, it, it it starts in like 82, 83 in New Jersey mm-hmm. when she meets Robin, you know, uh, in the park, and then like you see they give you they, they don't they don't spend any time with the brothers. You don't hear a word barely from Gary or Michael, um, mm. and so they they show them in the house. They show John and Sissy arguing, you know, back and forth about what they, about things. And then they show uh they never then they show them smoking weed in the room, whatever. They never they never they never like pretend that the drug use didn't happen. So that's number one, uh, which means none of the stuff that by Whitney has come out has ever done that. So, um, but then they uh show her and Robert meeting. They show them like starting like um 
work on stuff and she's singing back up with her mother. Then one night Cloud comes into the club where Sissy's singing. Sissy pretends she's sick. I got a sore throat. When he sings the greatest love of all, you know, he sees, oh, okay, you know, this, she's the one. And then she gets signed. But then as she gets signed, then her parents come with her and say, okay, you know, you got, when, you know, if you ever seen the photo of, photo of Whitney and Cloud when, when Whitney signed a contract, you know, she had like a very short, her own natural hair, very short kind of fro. She looked very butch, basically. You know, just, just jeans, t-shirt. You know, that's kind of that was the kind of person girl she was, basically. And then as soon as they get in the elevator, she's like, and dad's like, you know, you're gonna change that image. You can have your hair like short as mine. You gotta have like, you gotta have that princess image, you know. Uh, so that you see how it starts or how how it continues, basically, because you know, and it's, it starts with that. Um, then it starts with like at one point they show her on the set of like, how will I know? And Rob was looking at her like, like, you know, girls ain't you. And then it's like, you say, she's like, you're going to give him this, you're going to give him this Barbie image. She's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to sell it, you know? And so you see, she, she had a hand in what, in, in like creating the persona, but you see how, as it goes on, how that persona weighed on her because that, you know, I'm sure that that was some aspect of who she was, but it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, totally authentically her. And so as the, as the film goes on, you see how that starts to weigh on her, drug use escalates. Um, you see how uh, the pressure on the outside, the whole Whitey Houston thing, also that feeling of rejection, um, the feeling and this the fame increasing in that pressure, uh, the money stuff and that pressure, um, and then also um, Bobby in the picture, and of course that's his own. And of course, you know everybody knows what that relationship was like. They really didn't delve too much, too much into that because I think, ha- but I think the reason why they didn't, they showed enough to sort of like. So you could see what the red flags were in terms of the marriage and how things, how things, you know, took a uh, a downturn. But they don't go, they don't go all in because if they went all in. Of course, it would go to that darker place that they wanted to stay out of, as far as like the tone of the film, you know. Um, and so, uh, I think it, it moves pretty quickly as far as like going through things. It, it stays on the early years. I say, I say, it stays on like those early eighties up to like 84, 85. Up to like the second album, it stays on that the longest. But after that, it really, it really does start to go really fast. Um, and go through like you know, you go through the Super Bowl bodyguard, you know. Uh, then it's like the late nineties, and she's and she's like, it's like I'm not, it's not right, but it's okay. Then you go into like, and then they go, it's be, it, they don't they don't show be being Bobby Brown, you know. So you spared that. No no work for me. They work. Uh, and then they go to then they then they go to Oprah when she, when she tried to do the comeback, and then you know. They, they go through those things pretty quickly, which is a problem with most biopics because you know for a life that huge, you know, a career that huge and that long, you know, it's on so much you can cover in two and a half hours. You know, um, I'm, I'm glad that they you know touched on Robin because you know at last yeah, more than now. Yeah, because yeah. like documentary, yeah. pretty straightforward. You know, it is, but you, it. yeah, I think especially now that Robin put out her own book, which to me is like the best um, of, the, of the books, because you know, Sissy. I mean, of course, you can get a mother's perspective about Whitney, but Sissy's, in, I think Sissy's even knows in denial about certain things. Um, mm-hmm. BB's book was fluff because you know she ain't gonna open up for gospel niggas. Uh, I mean, <laughs> that, that, that I mean, she she probably led to them, but like she couldn't like she wouldn't like she wouldn't she probably wouldn't nippy around them, you know, the way she was with other people. Uh, so Bibi's book, I mean, you know, fluffy, but whatever. Um, but Robin's book, I feel like, was the best one because she, she, she was in the inner circle, but she was also she didn't grow up in that house, so she had like she had like an outsider's perspective, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm glad. I'm glad they showed Robin. I'm glad they showed that they that the the, the 
the director the director is actually Casey uh I think Lemons is the director who actually she knew she she ran she kind of ran the same circles as Whitney and then like the uh, late 80s 90s she actually like pitched like two uh screenplays to her and then she met John as well so it's, so she she kind she has like a bit of uh, experience to draw from um, so yeah, so she said she fought for like the kiss in the movie, like her and Robin do like a short little kiss, and then she said that, that was a lot for the state to uh, even give that because you know, Robin's, Robin's really, yeah, Robin's, Robin's relationship with the, with the estate is still kind of is a, a bit fraught, <laughs> um, you know, and so they they showed that and they showed like you know they gave a, they they respected the relationship basically, and then and it showed it showed how you know at one point you know they when it says like we can't be physical anymore because you know it's just it's not going to work. And also because you know religion too, you know early eighties, you know you put it together. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, yeah, that stuff. I love, I love all that stuff. Um, I, well, I think they could have done the same thing when it came to Bobby because uh, they showed him like you know they showed him a meeting and they showed him like in the back of a limo where he proposed to her and then they they have like the first fight because he told her like he got, after he proposed to her he told her that he got uh, Kim his girlfriend at the time pregnant oh, his ex girlfriend pregnant. And she's, you know, afraid, and they had like a fight about it. But then, wouldn't you forgave him or whatever? The next thing, next thing, I think the next scene they show, I think, is like her doing the bodyguard, and then them, them getting married, I believe. But for me, I feel like they could have, they could have like shown because if they started dating around 89, 90, that's when she was recording "I'm Your Baby Tonight." So they could have showed maybe how that music and how those songs would be. She was maybe interpreting them as, you know her feelings about him at the time they could have shown that and still show they could have explored the relationship without having to delve into like the darker places through that album to me because obviously if they were dating around the time she was singing about i'm your baby tonight all the man i need you know after we make love i mean they had to be i mean i'm a, i would guess that they that she could have been thinking about him as she was singing those songs she, they could have explored that through that but they, they didn't they did they did but one uh why does it hurt so bad from waiting to exhale because at first she rejected that song because she said she couldn't relate to it. But after, you know, uh, a few years with Bobby, she could, you know, unfortunately. Um, so I think it just shows how much the pressure to be. And you talk about a few things like, you know, she at one point she says, to, she tells, tells the Bobby after she had a miscarriage, actually, um, on the set of The Bodyguard. And she says, like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm tired of trying to be, of having to be all things to all people. And he kind of says, but you can't stop now. So he, in a way, I don't, I don't want to say, necessarily he ignored her, but I'm not sure if he necessarily heard her, quote unquote, when she's, what she meant by that. Um, then later on, like around, it goes into like the late 90s. And then she says, like, you know, I'm tired. Like all, all black women are tired. You know, it's, it's, it's sort of hit on things like that. Um, it, it's, it, 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 it's like they leave breadcrumbs as to, as to like the, the decline and why the decline is happening. This feeling of like this person that's being pulled in all these different directions and told to be different things by all these people and trying to be there for everybody and a toll that can take on somebody over time, you know, that's right. that's that's what they kind of hit at. You know, hmm. drugs are there. They show they showed some they show a bit of drug use. It's, it's more like you know you'll see like line. You saw like a little bit of drugs here now. You basically see her being looking disheveled. Basically, that's how you would know that you know mm-hmm. the drugs are increasing. And they showed her in rehab. I, I feel like they would. I like to. I would like to, be able to spend more time with her in, in rehab because I feel like at any, at any point in the movie that, that she would kind of get like a little monologue about, you know, what's this all like for you on the inside. That would have been the the scene to do it. I mean, there's one scene with, where with Clive where she comes over and he says to her like, you know, you gotta get, you gotta go to rehab. You gotta, you gotta, you know, deal with this. Um, 
and she kind of says like you know i was i, I got i I became the first woman to do this and do that. Black woman to do this, do this, and do that, and and you know become this America's princess sweetheart thing. And I sacrificed a lot for that, you know. So you get some sense of that, but I would like more of that. And I think the rehabs could have been um, a good scene for that, you know. Hmm. So overall, you 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 give it a good review, pretty much. You, you enjoyed it. I, yeah, yeah, I give it a good review. Um, like I said, it moves pretty quickly. Um, I think had maybe this been like a a, a mini series, a lot like a lot of the Wu Tang uh, series, they could they could have like slowed down a bit. Oh yeah, that's explore a, certain that's things. Me. Yeah, but overall, yeah, I, Nick, 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 it, it it rests on Naomi's believability as Whitney, and she really she really embodies Whitney. She really does, you know, vocal tone, mannerisms, you know, the, the way she sits, the way she just she really channeled Whitney, definitely, you know. The fact that she doesn't really like Whitney, you you, you get past that pretty quickly. You know, right. Oh, none of these people ever look like these people. Like, like, <laughs> yeah, like you're like Ray's an exception. Like, <laughs> they don't have yeah, Ray in the in the Michael Jackson uh, the the Jackson movie uh, miniseries. Mm, oh, the first six point movie flex. I was like, ooh, don't not that. No, one. <laughs> no, 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 no. The the one that came on ABC in the nineties. Mm. You know. And then sometimes they, I mean, they don't have to be home runs, you know. Like Malcolm X, Denzel Washington, he didn't look like Malcolm X. Uh, he's not as tall as him. They're different skin colors. But, I mean, when the camera rolled, he became Malcolm X, mm. you know. And uh, she became witness, especially that la- last scene, that, that AMA performance, you know, she really was, like, channeling, you know, Whitney just down to, like, the, you know, the hand movements, the vocal play, the way she moved around, you know, just everything, yeah. Mm. So that's good, though. I, I, I'm glad that they touched about. I had I have uh, co-workers who watched it. They're in their sixties, and they were like, "I didn't know, I didn't know about Robin. I didn't know about." It. And I was like, "No, y'all older than me," because <laughs> I, I told them I used to go to the uh, before TMZ. The closest thing you had to it outside of like those. Uh, hard copy shows in the 90s. Mm. You had the supermarket, the tabloid supermarket, and National Enquirer, and they'd be right there. And I used to remember every time I walked by one, Whitney Houston's Secret Lover, Bobby Brown, Furious. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> it was always there, you know? It just, I guess it was just one of those things people just didn't want to buy into or didn't want to believe because it was Whitney Houston. Probably, yeah, probably. You know, now I thought about that too. Like, had she, I think that's what the other question the movie raises. Like, um, had she been able to be herself, would she still be here? Would they still even would, would even still be together? Would, would the relationship just would have played out like a typical young relationship would have? You know, most of them do. You know, right? Uh, had she been able to sort of reconcile these different parts of herself? Could they? Could they? Could they? Could she? And found a way to sort of, you know, get out of that toxic, uh, self-destructive cycle, you know. Or even if she were like were, were an artist today, you know, if she were an artist today, I think people would be much, obviously it would be as much of an issue uh, as it would have been back in, you know, 85. Um, I think people would be more empathetic to her, you know, drug struggles than they would have than they were in the early 2000s, you know. You know. Oh, yeah, versus being a joke. Plus, uh... mm. That's true too. That's true. Speaking of biopics, 
I finally got to see the uh, the Clark Sisters one. I finally got to see it. And I've been trying to see that movie since uh, 2020, mm-hmm. but I didn't have Lifetime because who the fuck has cable? <laughs> but I was really impressed. I really enjoyed that movie. I watched it twice now. And uh, yeah, that was a really good cast and everything. I would have paid money to go see that in theaters. Mm-hmm. Yes, good. Yeah, I, can't I, believe, I liked it. I can't, I can't believe Lifetime spent the money on it. I mean, Lifetime will come on the, the uh, spot for the Gen X black ladies. That's <laughs> yeah, why I got hers on that TV. <laughs> uh, the girl that played Twinkie, uh, Christina, Christina mm-hmm. Bell, she from, she's uh, from Shreveport. Oh, so I've been wanting to watch it, yeah, to support the home team. But uh, you know, I didn't have Lifetime. But it's on Hulu now. You mm-hmm. know, So if you haven't seen it, y'all go watch it on Hulu. It's a good movie. I enjoyed it. But catch myself listening to the Clark Sisters more now. Mm. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good one, yeah. A similar theme to, like, the, the Jax movie <laughs> in some mm-hmm. ways. Mm. Yeah, hard-nosed parent, you know, mm. pushing them to... It's always that, that, that eternal question. Would they have made it to where they, you know, would they have been as successful as they were, you know, if their parents were, like, you know, less raw. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I think with that too. I, I, I listen to like this podcast about uh, R and B money uh, with a uh, Tank and uh, his name J Valentine, and they'll praise like you know the work ethic or like the 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 result of like a Jan Jackson, like a Michael Jackson, like these or like you know kid, uh, artists that come from these that sort of family background, and I get it. I'm like you know. What's like the personal cost, like the psychological cost? Yeah, you you see the the results and wrote in the and result is like you know on point, precision, precise, excellence. But like, shoot, that that's what's the trauma behind that? Like, can we be excellent without that? <laughs> I think all I think all those parents are a little crazy. Even oh. a Matt, even a Matthew knows per se. You know, granted, you know we don't we never heard any stories about Matthew. You know slapping nobody or putting hands on people. Mm. I'm pretty sure, you know, he was, you know, it was days where they like, you know, can we just chill? Or he was like, you know, well, you know, chilling ain't going to get you on Star Search, you know. Or, they was on Star chilling. Search. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so yeah. I'm pretty sure, you know, he had his way. You know, I think all those parents were kind of like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think, you, I don't think there's any normal, like, of that generation, that, that gen, that like, uh, Gen X, Generation that came that ended up becoming like musical stars with parents. I don't think they had any like real normal parents that like you know during the era. I, I just I don't know. It doesn't feel that way. Is uh, I mean I, I think things are going to inevitably inevitably get complicated when you have family and then you have business. Which mm-hmm. I think actually, I remember uh, episode. I'm not sure if it was uh, Diary or something on MTV, where back in like maybe around 07 or 08, where Beyonce was speaking about that, where it's like, you know, he said sometimes I want my dad to like turn off the manager stuff and just be my dad. Or I don't know if we're talking about me. I don't know. If, I, don't know if I don't know if we're speaking as daughter and father or as artist and manager. Sometimes you know, and I think it's 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 almost like unavoidable that can happen because. There, it's, it's both it's like you all it's like you sometimes you talk about business and how this relates to business but you also you're talking about it's family like it's like it's that's it's gonna get complicated 
it's it's almost mm-hmm. has no choice but to get complicated because you know is you know these these yeah are related but now business is involved now you know uh money is involved now livelihoods are involved you know, which is another thing that we're on Whitney you know going back to Whitney it's just like you know, it's you're not just uh famous and like successful. Now, you, now you, your dad works for you. Now your brother sing backup for you. Now your mother. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if her mother worked for her directly, but she was in the office because according to uh thing with Robert's book, she drew a fit when she didn't get an office at first. But uh, um, so like you know that that's gonna be, it's just gonna become strange. It is, it is, you know. Right, it's tricky. You know, when you mix the two mm-hmm. and. That's just that's just an eternal thing, you know. Even if you're not famous, you know, you could have like a a mom and pop diner, you know. If, if you got the brother working in the kitchen and the dad owns it, you know, you got the cousin washing dishes and the daughter's the hostess, then you go have problems with that. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> well, well, in particular with music, I think it's because becoming a celebrity it, it requires you to commodify yourself. It, it requires you to shrink yourself down to like two or three characteristics. That are marketable, and when the person doing that isn't just the slavery themselves, but also your father, your mother, and they say to you, "Well, you know, someone so talking is not good for the brand," which John said to her about Robin. You know, it's like, okay, are you speaking to me as my father? Or are you speaking? To, or are you speaking to me as a manager? And why are you thinking of me as a product? Like I'm your daughter, I'm not a product. You know what I mean? That's the that's the the mind fuck. Right, which is hard to escape because when you, like you said, when you end up, you end up having to become a brand mm. because you know that's what that's how you make money. Mm. <laughs> that's how you, you know, you get people to like you, you know, and to buy mm. in. Mm. So yeah, yeah, and, so, like, and of course you combine that with you know stuff she probably grew up with here in church and everything else is just like it was like perfect cocktail of just shit that could just you know, explode. Mm-hmm. Because you think about you it, as far as, like, gonna... even, even with her sexuality, is one last thing. Even with, even with her sexuality, it's like I don't. It, she, I think she was, you know, probably either pansexual or bisexual. Because I think she genuinely was into Bobby and uh, Eddie and uh, a few other men that she dated. You know, uh, I don't think it was. A, I don't think it was like a fool. Like, oh, let me just fool folks. I think. I think she genuinely loved Robin, but she also loved. Was attracted oh, to yeah. those men too. Oh, no. So, but and she and she and she made yeah. and she made, but she not. But at that time, you know, this is like early eighties. She probably didn't have the language or the access to figure out. Okay, I'm pansexual or I'm fluid or whatever. Because who she gonna talk to about it? Besides Robin, I think Robin's pretty, pretty probably pretty much knew. You know, I'm a lesbian. But right. But but we didn't. Who she, I mean, she couldn't talk to her, her parents about it. You know, hell no. She couldn't talk to. Uh, Clive, anybody else about it, which is ironic because Clive is bisexual, you know. Um, so she she had no resources to really, you know, help her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, she doesn't have the the, the language. Ability. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I, yeah. Just she couldn't even do it, you know, because mm-hmm. people were like, you know, you got to pick, mm-hmm. you know. Bobby went. Bobby didn't like this shit, you know. Mm-hmm. He wasn't gonna play that, so it was like she had to pick one. So yeah, it's it's really tragic. Uh, at the end of the day, it's probably one of the most tragic uh, pop stories there is. Uh, probably between her and Michael. Uh, Michael's a little bit more twisted and sick and demented. That's a whole other issue. But um, yeah, yeah, Michael. <laughs> uh, but yeah, 
both both real sad uh, black pop stories uh, for sure. So as we get ready to close out the show and get ready to close out the year, uh, what are a few things that just crossed your mind that you just thought about that you want to leave in 2022 as we get ready to go into 2023? I want to leave. Oh, I don't know. On one hand, you know, did some um, exciting things this year. You know, perform, perform out of town for the first time. Uh, performing at Pride again uh, this year and uh, some other things, put out some music and stuff. But on the other hand, you know, it was, I was dealing with a lot of, on the creative side, a lot of burnout. It's been more of an ebb than a flow this year. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, the burnout, some anxiety, some self-doubt. I'm not, you know, about what to do next and how to do it and, and how to proceed. You know, um, there's a lot of that. Which I don't know if I can totally get it behind because you know anxiety just is, is a thing. <laughs> uh, so I'm not sure if realistic to think you know never again after, once the clock strikes uh, January first. Oh, um, uh, leaving behind. Uh, well, I would like to make those feelings, or, the, or I would like the feeling of being overtaken by anxiety or overthinking. I'd like to make that the exception and not the rule. That's what. Hmm. Hope I would have for 2023 is to, uh, uh, yes, things change and they can be scary and uh, and uncertain of not knowing what's going to happen, particularly in trying to pursue something creative. You know, it's not a straight line, it's just all over the place. And it's usually the whole thing is just savage life. But, uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> but in the midst of all that, just trying to find some sense of calm of like, you know, control what you can control and just, you know, whatever happens is going to happen, you know, which is, you know, not an easy thing to do. So. Hmm. That's, that's deep. <laughs> that's deep to say. <laughs> I thought you were talking about pop culture shit. But you took it oh, okay, no, I thought you meant me. Okay. <laughs> No, no, no. I mean, that's good. That's, <laughs> hey, that's taking the, that's, that's mm. good, you know? Because 2021 was a real good year for you, uh, artist-wise, right? Because that's when you mm. had, like, your biggest, you know, hit in video and then, mm. um, it, it, you know, and I guess then you got to follow up with it, you know? Mm. But uh, I I, I got to tell you, man, that somebody who's watched you, you know, really grow as an artist, man, you, you just seem to get better with time. So, I think I think you got a lot. You got a bright future, and you know all you mostly have to do is just keep going. As hard as that is, <laughs> that's that's the hard part, you know. But, but I think I think you got you know a lot a lot of great things coming, and uh, I hope you you know see it through. Thank you. Yes, indeed. Uh, as for me, what I'm leaving in 2022, uh, I guess I'll do like a, I guess a pop culture thing and then maybe like a personal thing. I saw a pop culture first. Pop culture wise, I'm leaving behind giving a fuck about all these like Marvel movies and, and these, <laughs> these big events. I'm, you know, I watch it for the sake of like participating. Mm-hmm. If it's like something to do with like maybe like a podcast or maybe, you know, I just want to see 
what Jonathan Majors does with this role, you know. Mm. But as far as like watching all this shit, I'm not watching all this shit, man. Because it's, it's starting to look like a lot of this stuff is disposable. Like the first wave of this stuff was like all, it was all connected. It was like telling one long arc. Now it's like just trying to like build content for the sake mm. of having content. And I'm not gonna play that game. I'm done with franchises trying to get me to like watch every movie, watch every prequel, watch every sequel. I'm just done. You know, I might post my head in if I'm curious, but I'm not giving you all of my time and my money to watch some shit when y'all be half-assing it. Mm. And that's what I'm leaving behind as far as that. Uh, I'm also going to leave behind uh, just not watching shit that I should probably watch. I watch everything... Ah, oh, what is it? Everything, everywhere, all at once. Great movie. Highly mm. recommend it. I should have watched it when it was in theaters. Because watching it on TV was fun, but I felt like it deserved a theater experience. And I should have got off my ass and went to go see it. So in 2023, I'm going to go, I want to, I'm going to experience things that I want to experience versus people telling me that I should or, you know, you know, whatever. So, well, if it's a movie I want to go see in the theater, I'm going to see it in the theater. If it's a show I want to watch, I'm actually trying to carve out time to watch the show instead of like waiting until I don't give a fuck anymore. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the older it gets, it's kind of hard to balance time mm-hmm. to watch so much stuff, you know, and keep up with this and that. Because, you know, you got words, you might have personal stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just, just make time for things that I want to make time for versus. You know, people tell me I got to watch this or I got to do this. I'm like, I don't give a fuck about that. Uh, Personal-wise, I'm Oh, leave behind Troy Lanez. Oh, yeah, that Oh, yes, that nigga. Please leave him behind, y'all. This is an artist who was C-list at best before the scandal. Like, I only knew certain people talking about this man. And when they did, I was like, why? Because the music is not appealing to me. I've heard people say it's good. I don't get it. Not for me. And that's fine. But now this nigga has become the avatar for like just the ashy niggas. And it's mm-hmm. like it's very disturbing. It's like, why do y'all have to pick these people to like put these agendas on? You know? And, and, and it's got silly both ways too. Cause I see a lot of women that crave to argue with these niggas. And it's like, why? Like y'all fall for this trick every time. Why do y'all need to engage with these niggas? Leave them behind. It's like it's like an endless game, you know. It's like the the road runner and the coyote. You know, these they just they always gonna want to be fighting on sight. And it's like, why? Why do y'all want to do this? To me, this was it's just, it was sad that no like industry man like stature like really came out and said like you know, I believe oh, Megan or or, or, or denounced him or, or like I believe Megan or, or like I. Or like they, or like I, I agree with the verdict or anything. Like I didn't, I didn't hear anything from anybody. I, I can't, I didn't see anything from anybody uh, in 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 the industry uh, as far as like you know, stand, like really standing beside no, no. Megan. Like they all, they all friends. Like I mentioned earlier about the Don mm-hmm. Thomas thing. He him with the rape allegations, and you know he Kelly Uchi still date him, and he don't sizzle new album. You know, it's mm-hmm. like they, they don't care. Like yeah, a lot yeah. of them are friends. And yeah, I get it, but it's just like this ain't like you know, he they they were dating and he did some like some random general fuckboy shit and they broke up. It's mm-hmm. like 
you know, he, hey, malicious. Yeah, yeah, he shot her. You know, like he he shot her, and then somehow her best friend just got caught in the pick me sauce and tried to like do what she did or whatever. I guess to create right. some doubt, but like you know, her text toward it all toward shot Meg. Then you know, it's just like it's like what what and is a, what, like what like what is the line? Like he like you got. Who was it? Like he had fifty, but his fifty being trash as usual, and and, and oh, yeah. implying she was lying like Jason Smollett, and you got little Duvall through his little raggedy two cents in, and of course Drake got his little messy, messy queen shots in there, messy shots. Let <laughs> me pick the back. Love got his little messy shots in there with uh, and his plausible deniability with his with his track, you know, uh, and then you got Cody Black, you know, lowered himself to the occasion again after the, after the verdict happened. Just like you know, what's wrong with y'all niggas? Yeah, because the crazy thing about it is she tried to protect him when it happened. Yes, That's the only, re- like, the only reason that the only reason that nigga is in jail because he wouldn't shut up. She wasn't gonna say right. nothing. He right. said something. He and continued something to the point where she had to say something, and then that's what sparked it. So, like, you know, yeah, it's frustrating, but. I'm glad that saga over with. I'm glad some form of, I guess, justice was, was served and. That little nigga, I don't think he gonna do, of course, the whole bid, but he Probably learned a valuable him. lesson. Yeah, I hope he learned a lesson, nigga. Don't shoot people. <laughs> Keep your hands to yourself. Stop running your mouth. You know, he needs to be humble. And he got nigga humble. Ain't learn. He, he gonna get out, he gonna be on Mike Tyson <laughs> podcast. Right. Oh, yeah. Talking about, talking about, probably talking about, like, you know, talking about, like, you know, God know my heart and God know God. God, <laughs> God, God. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 like, drug, they like drug Jay-Z, Jay-Z into it, saying it was some, like, Plot that uh, Rock somehow Rock Nation had like, <sighs> yeah, it's, it's it's pretty bad. It, it, it almost don't feel real. It feels so real. It feels like just like we you know people made the joke about we live in a simulation. That's mm. what this whole thing felt like. Like the whole ordeal felt like it was simulated, you know. And I'm glad it's over though. Uh, you know, I'm sure it'll be another. Uh, Avatars for people to pick sides and you know go to war over, but and this one it was black and white. You know the man shot a woman. He deserved to be in jail. He's in jail. So the good guys kind of won. <laughs> Indeed, I, I um, did, but like it's like people just—it's like people who probably didn't even like Toro Lane's music, never even heard it, are now gonna like be his like. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like staunchest, staunchest, staunchest defenders because they just hate Megan that much, you know. Yeah, they hate Megan or they hate the fact that a black man. Yeah, it's <laughs> gonna be held accountable. Yeah, mm. right, shit like that. So we're leaving that behind in twenty twenty two. Fuck all that. I don't care how good you are, or supposedly good at rapping or singing or whatever the fuck. We're leaving that behind. Um, personally, leaving behind self doubt, starting to be like more. Um, just more respectable to myself as far as like the words I use for myself and the language, just believing in myself and not on some toxic positivity type shit, but just, just speaking good about yourself. You know, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. you get down, you call yourself stupid or you're thinking about the past too much or you're thinking about all the things you did wrong, but you don't think about what you did right mm-hmm. <laughs> and give yourself some, some grace and a pat on the back sometimes for doing the right thing or just surviving and making it through the day. But that's the mm. hardest part. Mm. So. Just being kinder to yourself. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, just kinder to yourself. You know, like I said, you don't have to be like just lying to yourself or mm. making up some lofty ambitions you know you can't probably realistically reach, but just 
being like you said, being kind to yourself, approaching yourself with love and reality and taking it from there. So once again, this is an episode of the side eye. We thank y'all for listening. If you listen to the whole thing, you are amazing. We appreciate you. Thank all y'all for continuing the journey with us. It hasn't been long, but it's been fun. And we hope y'all keep keep going. Hope y'all stick around. Because um we don't we're not stopping. <laughs> you know, schedules be down. We find a way to do this. You know, it's a labor of love, but hey, we don't mind doing it. So with that said, I'm Uptown Bobby, aka Rob Brown. And I'm Key Clark. And we will see y'all on the other side. Peace out.